0: We're going to go over a few oldies but goodies. Some oldies but goodies that you might not n- even know. They're so old. <laughs> but they're good, I promise. Um, but uh, we're going to have some new stuff, some old stuff. Best of the new, best of the old. But um, we're, we're excited to present this to you this, this morning. Because uh, the theme, actually Larry came up with this theme. Like, what are we going to title our worship theme service? And Larry was like immediately... Elevate, you're like, boom, right? And it's a, it's, a, I think it's a brilliant title because it's kind of what we're looking to do in our worship. It's what we're looking to do in worship, amen? We're looking to elevate our spirits, our thoughts, our minds, our hearts to God. And specifically, I'm going to talk about two aspects of what we're going to try to elevate in worship. Just focus on two things today. And the first thing, hey, it works, sweet, um, is elevating our singing. Amen? Don't worry, that doesn't mean singing better. Uh, Many of us have a cap on that, uh, and that is me included. Um, But uh, really, it's about Elevating our singing, our devotion in singing, our thoughtfulness our singing in singing, our joy in singing, what we're focusing on in singing. And it's amazing, as I started to do a deep dive about singing in the Bible, it's incredible how prominent a place singing has in the Bible. It's kind of cool. Um, and uh, here's a couple of scriptures just to get us off the uh, starting uh, block here. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Did you hear me? Sing praises, right? I mean, that was basically four verses that I just shared. And you were commanded in those four verses to sing seven times. Right? And what's interesting is all told, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing. And uh, 50 direct commands to sing. And uh, in the New Testament we're commanded not once, but twice. To sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, one another when we meet. That's Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. But it's, it's incredible how vital singing is to our lives when you think about it. And I'm going to play you a video. We did a little sound check, and I'm hoping this isn't too loud. So uh, this shouldn't be. But it's of a large crowd. I'm going to see. It's just about 40 seconds of a large crowd doing some singing. And let's see if you can discern what the scenario is and see if you can figure out what they're singing, or at least the melody of what they're singing. You got the idea. What melody was that? Anybody? Coming over the mountain, coming That's right. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. That's a bunch of Austrians singing to their soccer team. That's 20,000 Austrians in Vienna and a minor league soccer, t- soccer team partying in the snow. Singing something, and I don't know what they're singing in German, but something celebrating their soccer team. And what's kind of funny is, if you know anything about she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, that actually comes from a spiritual, an old spiritual song called uh, When the Chariot Comes. And it's about the second coming of Christ. And she'll be coming around the mountain. The she is actually the chariot, riding six white horses. It's like the apocalypse. It's, the, it's Jesus coming back, right? there. Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're ushering in the apocalypse from Vienna. But um, is, am I bringing this up to say this is exactly what we want our, our music to sound like at church? Yes. No. Uh, what I really want is soccer at church. Can I get an amen from a few of you? I'm just kidding. That's not appropriate for worship. But, um, you know, what's cool about that is the reckless abandon in which these people are... Enjoying this, this song right here. What do you notice about the conditions of the game right here, of the day? It's like a blizzard. But they're just partying. They're bouncing up and down. They're having a great time. And I'm not trying to take a whole lot of worship slash spiritual lessons from a Viennese soccer crowd. Okay, So I don't want to overstate this. However, I wanted... To Take note that a bunch of people are participating, right? They're having a blast. Pretty much everybody, it's probably a lot of peer pressure. It's almost like being at a stadium when the wave comes through. You know, whoa, you know, if you're the one sitting down, you're the one who wants to, you you want to get up. But everyone's just participating. Everyone's enthusiastic. It's miserable outside, but they don't care. It's not about the environment that they're in. It's about the celebrating that they're doing. It's a shared experience. They're encouraging one another. They're reveling in their fandom, if you will. And most of us don't think that's weird. If you're a non-sports fan, you may think that's weird. But that's a normal part of society, where people spend a lot of money to sit out in the snow. And in Europe especially, they're singing. I've been to a European soccer match in England, and it's, they take all kinds of known melodies... We're there, Mike and Kristen. They take known melodies, melodies you've heard, and they twist the words around to either taunt the other team or celebrate their team. But it's such a normal part of their society. They're just singing, and it's incredible to hear 28,000 people singing this melody, you know? And we don't think that's weird. That's kind of a normal thing. But if folks can get that excited about a Viennese lower-level soccer team... (laughs) you know and sing these melodies together in harmony I don't know if that was harmony but in unity (laughs) of spirit you know can we get excited about celebrating God I think we can Um, the Bible tells us shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth serve the Lord with gladness come before him with joyful singing Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. See all the shouting? Am I saying that this, I'm trying to promote just cacophony of service and just yelling for no reason? Absolutely not. But when it's time to celebrate, let's celebrate together. And it's okay. It's biblical, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth, right? It says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. You know, it's interesting. You know, modern medicine is starting to figure out that singing is actually important and vital to human health. Check this article out in Time Magazine. This is the headline of the article from a few years ago. It says, singing changes your brain. Group singing has been scientifically proven to lower stress, relieve anxiety, and elevate endorphins. This was not from an ad for, from a choir director. This was an article in Time magazine, Okay, a scientific article. It says, science has been hard at work trying to explain why singing has such a calming yet energizing effect on people. What researchers are beginning to discover is that singing is like an infusion of the perfect tranquilizer. The kind that both soothes your nerves and elevates your spirits. Now check this out. A very preliminary investigation suggesting that our heart rates may sync up during group singing could also explain why singing together sometimes feels like a guided group meditation. (laughs) Study after study has found that singing relieves anxiety and contributes to quality of life. I love it when research backs up what God's been saying for centuries. Isn't that fun? It's cool. God knows how we're wired. God knows what we need. It's vital for our lives as Christians, and it's vital just for our lives. It's good for us. It's good for our health. doesn't mean you have to be a good singer. Just knew, I actually didn't put the there was a quote that said even mediocre singers have been found to benefit from this. I should have just put it in there. I just said it, but I, I thought that might be discussed. But the bottom line: you don't have to be a good singer. Right? Just be a singer. Right. Amen? Amen. And the cool thing is, the greatest songbook in the history of the world is found in the Bible, the Book of Psalms. Right. In Hebrew, that's Tehillim. And that means songs of praise or praises. Basically, the key word in Psalms is praise. It happens 340 times in Scripture, in the whole Bible, and 211 of those are in the Psalms. Here's a couple cool facts about the Psalms. If if you're not convinced this is the greatest songbook ever assembled in the history of humanity, at 150 chapters, it's the longest book in the Bible, chapter-wise, right? By word count, it's third. Psalms are quoted more often in the New Testament than in any other Old Testament book. That t- I'm trying to drive home the import of Psalms in your Bible. Why is it such a massive part of your Bible? Why are there a bunch of tunes such a big part of your Bible? Almost 50% of all the Old Testament direct quotes in the New Testament are from Psalms. And you know I made all these up. I'm just kidding. (laughs) These are true. Psalms is quoted or alluded to 103 times in Revelations alone. 149 times in the four Gospels. Jesus' last words from the Psalms. Oops. Yeah. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's from Psalm 31, verse 5. So clearly, there's a lot of psalms of celebration, right? I started out the presentation with quoting a lot of those, but a lot of psalms are not celebratory. They're very intense. In fact, when we're talking about Jesus on the cross... We're not talking about a song that was really a psalm of praise as much as it is a psalm of prophecy. It's incredible, think about this, that God chose to put prophecy about the cross into a song. Think of what that says about the import of singing to us. In Psalm 22, right? It's sung to the dough of the Morning. I don't know what that song sounded like, but it was a popular song of the day. But it says Christ would be crucified in verse 14. Talks about Christ thirsting while dying in verse 15. Christ's hands and feet would be pierced in verse 16. Christ's body would emit blood and water, verse 14. Christ's bones would not be broken in verse 17. The garments would be parted among the soldiers, verse 18. Soldiers would cast lots for Christ's clothes, verse 18. This is just a few of the things I picked out of Psalm 22, right? And the best dating of that psalm is circa 1000 BC. A thousand years before Jesus walked the earth, before crucifixion was invented, right? They pierced his hands and his feet. It's so powerful. But what I think is so incredible, and this is an insight I got from my amazing wife, and I've, I've, I've shared it at a communion before, and I'm not sure if I shared it here, but I think that one of the great reasons God sets important scripture in Psalms is because when you sing something, you remember it, right? Jingle writers have known that for decades, right? You ever had an earworm, a tune you just cannot get out of your head? Okay, so Jesus on the cross, what is one of the first things he says? My God, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Guess what? That is verse 1 of the song sung to Doe of the Morning in Psalm 22. So if you're a Jewish person who grew up going to Hebrew school, and you hear Jesus say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe you start singing through that tune. Guess what comes up into your head? All this stuff. What are you watching? It's powerful. But I think that's the power of music in our lives. I'm glad God invented it. Amen. Amen. And I think it's the power of the Psalms in our Bible. Do you know how many styles there are of Psalms in the Bible? There's basically 13 different wor- discrete words for stylistic direction in these psalms. A few examples. Shir, it's a song of joyful melody. That's in 30 psalms. Miktam, used on lamentations, six different psalms, uh, lamenting psalms. Mashal, they're contemplative or meditative psalms. There are 13 of those. Tefillah, a prayerful psalm. Five psalms have that. There's psalms that have... uh, 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 marks for Neganoth, which is, hey, use a stringed instrument for this tune. Nehaloth, use a flute for this tune. There's other songs with all the different instruments uh, beyond that. Different popular tunes of the day are mentioned, right? We already saw Doe of the Morning, right? There's Altashith, You Must Not Destroy. That was a popular tune. You all know that, You Must Not Destroy. Remember that one? Uh, Shushanadeth, Trumpet of the Covenant. That was another tune. Wouldn't it be cool to find out what these melodies sounded like? But these songs were paired with popular tunes of the day. Why? So that it could become earworms in God's people. So that scripture could be buried into your memory bank, into your consciousness, into your subconsciousness, right? Guess what? The soccer crowd knew that. How do they remember the words to that crazy song they were singing to their third-rate soccer team? (laughs) <laughs> they, they, they remember they'll be coming around and out, right? you know that you're not going to forget the lyrics right so it's amazing but what I think I wanted to point out with that is there's tremendous variety in these songs what does that mean for us guys there should there's be a tremendous variety in our music yeah there should be because not every style of music every type everything is going to connect with everybody so what we're gonna we just did some kind of up tempo tunes. We're gonna uh, move into some more meditative, contemplative uh, songs in a moment as we move into communion. We're actually not gonna have a communion message. We're gonna let the songs lead our hearts into communion. But just understanding that the goal of our worship team and the goal of uh, we want feedback from you guys, but we want to do music that is biblical. That is right, that connects us to God, that elevates our hearts, but that can appeal to all of us, regardless of background. And so that maybe there's a song that doesn't connect you, with you, but stick around. Hopefully the next one will, amen. And that's why there's such, uh, I believe, variety in the Psalms, right? All these tunes, I, I can't believe that you must destroy sounded just like dough of the morning. I'm just gonna guess. Those are different. Right. So there's a reason there's variety. Right. And so at this time, what we're going to do is um, uh, actually uh, one thing I want to make clear. This, I think this is a good, good thing to mention. The key is when we gather together for worship, we are gathering around Jesus. Not around musical styles. So we're going to do our very best with the firepower that we have in our small but mighty group to do things that appeal to everybody. But the bottom line, there's more that bonds us than styles of music. It's ultimately what bonds us is our connection in the spirit, right? And as brothers and sisters. So at this time, I'd like to invite the worship team up. And we're going to sing a few Songs before communion. And you can remain seated. That's fine. This is an oldie but goodie, I think, uh, called On Zion's Glorious Summit. How many of you know this song? A fair amount of you. Um, And it's a beautiful song. It's basically a a hymn that draws its language from uh, the great scenes in Revelation where the heavenly hosts uh, and victorious saints surround the throne of God with praise. And it's uh, the third verse particularly hits me. It says, While everlasting ages roll... Eternal love shall feast their soul. In other words, age upon age passes by throughout eternity, but we're feasting on love, age to age. And scenes of bliss forever new rise in succession to their view. It's a cool image rising in succession, scenes of bliss. There's a scene of bliss succeeding to after that, right after that, another scene of bliss. Bliss, bliss, bliss. Forever new. I don't know how that works. It's heaven. God is amazing, right? But it's an amazing picture. And then this this hymn ends with us singing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord. And it's kind of a... uh, In a mass, they would call it a sanctus. It's a very soft... Well, actually, it's it's loud at one point, gets soft, but it's it's just a very intense contemplative meditation on how holy God is, and uh, so I hope um, you like this song. If we like it, I'm hoping we can do it more. But uh, we do. I want feedback. I think we all want feedback, guys. So this is a. Collaborative process. So, we're uh, we're going to continue to introduce songs, and you will let us know if they resonate with you. Okay. So this is on Gly- uh, Zion's glorious summit. It's number four twelve. If any of you happen to bring a songbook, Amen. Well, we're in the home stretch here. I just got a quick part two, and um, I wanted to start with um, that song because. I believe we have more than 10,000 reasons to be grateful. That's yeah. right. And uh, I think Mike talked about it in his uh, open, and we didn't coordinate it, but big part of worship is gratitude. And I believe the more grateful we come in, the more grateful we leave. <laughs> because we're giving off gratitude to one another. We're encouraging one another. And uh, I just want to show you a brief, a little movie that I think uh, kind of feeds in a little bit to what we have grateful to be grateful about in Vermont. It's a little bit thematic, a little bit, but uh, here we go. You know, this video reminds me a little bit about what we have to be grateful for, especially here in Vermont, especially during the fall. Yeah. You know, uh, driving to I think it was driving to Riley's volleyball game a few weeks ago, but the drive over to Hinesburg from Shelburne. I was like, they should charge admission for this. I mean, it was spectacular, you know, and it's 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 amazing. And I I feel like uh, seeing nature like this is kind of deserves a standing ovation. You know, it's it's amazing how much we have to be grateful for. And uh, many Psalms reflect uh, that kind of a gratitude about what God has created all around us. Psalm 100 is one of them. I love that it's. I love that it's actually got a directive with it, for giving Grateful Praise. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You know what strikes me about this psalm is it says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. You know what it doesn't say? Enter the Holy of Holies with thanksgiving and praise. Because no one could do that. Except for a priest, once a year. Guess what we get to do with Jesus living in us? We get to enter the Holy of Holies whenever we want. It's amazing. And and, and, and to to the worshiping Jew, that would have been a reference of, this is the best it can get. Enter the temple, the courts, the gates, the courts with praise. We get to go into the Holy of Holies. Without a rope, a title on our our leg. That if we sin, we get pulled out. Not breathing. It's different for us. And we're so blessed that it is. That we have actual God living within us. We have so much to be grateful for. I want to close with this scripture in Colossians 2. It says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Isn't it fun to overflow with gratitude? When's the last time you were overflowing with gratitude? That's a convicting thought. It is for me. I think even just during that drive up to Heinsberg, I had a moment. But, guys, we have so much we are blessed with. If a a group of soccer fans aren't deterred by a blizzard, let's not be deterred by the fact that we can't really see any mountains right now in this small ballroom. But every time we come in, let's enter these courts with thanksgiving. Through those gates with praise. Because if we overflow with gratitude, it's going to stimulate all of us to an incredible worship experience. I think if we prepare our hearts and are a little more thoughtful, speaking to me, not speaking to anyone but me right now, being prepared to come in, to give, to think for a moment what I'm thankful for. Maybe you had a rough week, but Jesus loves you. He died for you. And this is a room full of people who are trying to love God. And guess what? They're even trying to love you. I promise they are. Maybe sometimes week to week we're not that great at it, but we'll get better. Give us a shot. We're all working on it. But we have the chance to elevate in our gratitude. Amen? I hope what this has done is kind of help us recognize just a little bit more how important worship is how pervasive it is in the Bible and how significant it can and should be in our lives. And I believe how significant it can and should be Sunday to Sunday. We're going to sing just a couple more songs to close out.